Welcome to Meanwhile in Memphis, where New Memphis is celebrating our city by providing a weekly window into the ways Memphians are solving problems, looking forward, and successfully shaping the community. Hello, welcome to your weekly episode of Meanwhile in Memphis. My name is Anna Mullins-Ellis. I am here with my teammate, friend, partner in all (laughs) podcast crimes, Christy Mullen. Good morning, Christy. Good morning. How are you? I am good. I am good here on this March morning. Uh, (laughs) We have, I think, an exciting show that you guys have put together for us. Um, So for those uh, listening who do not know, Meanwhile Memphis is brought to you by New Memphis. Uh, We are a local nonprofit that is working to make Memphis magnetic for talent. We are working to uh, equip and connect people who are shaping our city's future for the better. And I think today's episode goes to the very heart of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So as part of our mission, we convene what we call Celebrate What's Right Luncheons. Um, Normally, these would take place in person. Uh, Fingers crossed that happens again. (laughs) (laughs) But for now, we have been convening virtual conversations. And these are typically panels uh, of local leaders, uh, local change makers, where we're tackling one particular issue, one subject that we can all sort of wrap our minds around for a lunch hour. Um, So we had such an exciting conversation a few weeks ago um, that we wanted to continue it. So Christy, who do we have in the studio today? Yes, so we are going to have with us our moderator from the panel, who is Nicole Thomas. She is the CEO of Nicholas Creative Group, and she is a marketing communications strategist, community advocate, and philanthropist, and she has led a lot of diversity and inclusion efforts, community investments, and employee engagement, as well as community philanthropy and volunteerism for entrepreneurs to Fortune 500 companies. Um, she earned her certificate certification. That's a hard word to say, guys, on a Monday. <laughs> you certification to say certification. <laughs> that was good. I like that. Um, but her certification in diversity and inclusion from Cornell University. And her focus is really in fostering environments of inclusion, collaboration, and innovation. And not only do we have her and all those amazing qualifications, we have with us Susan Dalton. She is a lifelong Memphian who sees the necessity to celebrate what's right in our city, which is why she was perfect (laughs) for our uh, panel. And she is with Innovate Memphis and works alongside civic leaders to address longstanding challenges and develop solutions for social impact in the public space area. And much more than that, but that's just in short, the two great people we have with us today. Yes, and if it wasn't immediately obvious what the theme of this conversation (laughs) was, innovation was at the center of our minds as we convened this group of folks. Um, As we came out of 2020, um, we were, you know, I think all of us have been thinking about just the challenges we've been faced and how we've had to innovate and shift and change and quote unquote pivot, uh, 2020 word of the year. So uh, it it pushed us to, to convene a conversation that really centered Memphis as um, not just a home to entrepreneurs, which we are, mm-hmm. not just a home to um, innovative social uh, change makers, which we are, um, but really combining those things to, to have a conversation with with folks that just say, what puts Memphis on the map? Um, every one of these luncheons is, uh, thank goodness, sponsored by yes. our wonderful <laughs> friends, the First Horizon Foundation and Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee. So they help make this conversation possible. If you would like to listen to the full hour-long panel with we had um, four panelists um, we would love to have you go check that out you can go to newmemphis.org Christy Mm -hmm. I I might be misspeaking how can people go and check out the full conversation yeah visit newmemphis.org or you can actually find us on our YouTube channel just look up celebrate what's right New Memphis it'll be the first thing that pops up look at you and your SEO (laughs) Uh, excellent well let's get into uh, our deeper conversation with Susan and Nicole All right, let's get started 
right, guys, we have Susan Dalton and Nicole Thomas here with us to continue our conversation from Celebrate What's Right, Memphis, the movement. Hello, ladies. Hello. Thank you for having us today. I'm so excited to have you today. I I I feel like we've monopolized a lot of your time. Yes. (laughs) But we're so grateful for you continuing this conversation that we started a few weeks ago at our last Celebrate What's Right virtual lunch. Yes. so I, you know, first of all, I, I want to just kind of quickly ask one thing that we always ask people, sort of like, why did you choose Memphis? How did you end up in the roles that you're in? But I think you guys each have, you know, very distinct um, professional roles in our city. So I, I'm curious if you guys, something we didn't get to share at the luncheon, just a sort of broad, why did you choose the work that you do? What brought you to this work? And, you know, whether it's where you initially started or how you kind of evolved to get here, I'm always curious to hear about people's journeys. So Susan, why don't you start? Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> my journey has been kind of a meandering road, but I've stayed in Memphis my whole life. So I'm actually a lifelong Memphian, which I think gives me a really unique perspective on our city. Um, a lot of my youth always heard this narrative of you have to leave to be successful. And I kind of didn't, I didn't want to do that. As I was kind of nearing that college age, that transition of uh, what's next, I could see the change coming. And I knew that we were kind of on the cusp of something different and great, and I wanted to be a part of it. And I, that's something that's really great about Memphis is that you can get on on the ground level and you can be a part of something and be a part of the change. Um, and so it took me a couple of years after I graduated to find that, um, but I did with my current role at Innovate Memphis, um, which kind of connects that desire for social impact and change with my desire to help help my city. So that's kind of how I ended up where I am today. Tell us what for those who are not familiar, what is Innovate Memphis? Such we, a unique organization. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard to explain, even though it's, it's... It's like kind of right there in the name, but also, like, what do they do? <laughs> yeah, Innovate is, anyway. is such a, like, uh, like, this term that people... Really, it's kind of a mystery to people, but... Um, really innovation is both like a process and a product. It can be, but for us, it's really just doing things in a new way, taking a novel approach. Um, so Innovate Memphis, we are a nonprofit organization, um, but we also work specifically within the civic sector. So working with cities and municipalities, and then also local government and nonprofit organizations and kind of bridging that um, connection. So we are essentially the nonprofit consulting agency for the city of Memphis, but we also do a lot of work with our partner organizations. And so we work on areas like transportation and housing um, and neighborhood condition and different priority areas that are related to the civic sector. So what makes the city work and run, but we also bring a, a perspective that's outside of government. So we connect with other organizations and other uh local governments throughout the nation to see what are other cities doing, how are they approaching this, and how could we be doing this better? Because every city kind of has similar challenges, but what it takes at the local level is going to have kind of needed adjustments in context. Um, so what we do is help kind of bridge those connections and, and test new ideas and kind of bring best, best practices to Memphis and figure out what works for, for our city. Fascinating. <laughs> All right, Nicole, what is your Memphis changemaker genesis story? 
Oh, it was my 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 story is one of evolution. When I was in Houston, I owned a small business for 10 years and I was pursuing MBA and exploring MBA programs. That's really what happened. And one of my girlfriends, she sent me a letter, a, a, a notice about this program that FedEx had created with the University of Memphis that particularly focused on marketing, an MBA program was specifically all marketing. And her email said, you better apply, period. <laughs> so I applied. And you did. <laughs> I applied for the program. Um, to Typically, FedEx chooses between four to six people from around the country hmm. to come to Memphis and be a part of this program. And I was one of those six people back in 2011. So I had only visited Memphis one time prior to the beginning of my interview yeah. process. And that, But it was such a welcoming environment. FedEx was welcoming. University of Memphis was a special place. And it was more about accomplishing this goal of completing an MBA and launching my career in marketing full time. Um, so that's how I ended up in Memphis. Once I graduated from that program, FedEx uh, offered me a job in corporate social responsibility. I had no idea what that was. <laughs> None. Like, I literally went to all of my marketing books, the index in the back, and there was about a page and a half. I was like, okay, I have no idea what this is, but we're going to figure mm -hmm. it out. And I had some great mentors, and it turned out that corporate social responsibility really aligned what my values are as a person with my professional skills in marketing and communications. So I was like, oh, I like this and I'm going to stay. So <laughs> I stayed. So here we are. <laughs> so for those who don't have a marketing book in front of them with a handy index, <laughs> yeah. what? how would you define corporate social responsibility? Corporate social responsibility is the promise that corporations make to communities to be great citizens and reinvest in the communities that they work in, that they serve, and that they play and live in. Um, Every company does it differently and has to define, define that strategy for themselves, as, as we know. Um, but it's truly a community investment and making that commitment to be a community partner. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, I always, you know, of course, you know, New Memphis is a nonprofit, so we are we are fueled by investments from the corporate sector as they mm -hmm. make their community investments. Um, so I always, like, sort of walk you know, carefully when I say this, but I really do think that Memphis is special in this way, that not every city our size has such an engaged corporate community, um, both from their sort of individual leaders to the way in which they try to deploy their talent into the community. So just seeing, you know, how they lend people like you to, to um, do work in the community. Um, so I do think that's something that Memphis has that's special and just seeing how connected our companies can be across sectors to think about what kind of change we need to see in Memphis. So I always call that out as, you know, not to be the pandering person who's like, thanks to our sponsors, but thanks to our sponsors. <laughs> yes, um, always. But I always just feel, you know, when I'm sitting in a room with executives from a local company who are, one, making the time to talk to us about the work that we're doing in Memphis, and two, are genuine and eager in like how they can support it so that's always like a little win i put in the memphis column when no we about definitely how we stack up to other cities. <laughs> but it's always about collaboration and really mm. assessing what does the community need and what mm -hmm. do our corporate partners need not our corporate partners our nonprofit partners need i think oftentimes um some well back then not back not saying fedex but <laughs> back then um the evolution of corporate social responsibility sometimes cor companies just focused on what they needed mm -hmm. versus mm -hmm. really taking into 
consideration what are the goals of the nonprofit and how can we best serve the nonprofit that is in turn serving the community and then creating relationships that have more depth. <laughs> it's far beyond just writing checks now. It is about programmatic impact. It is about volunteerism. There are so many other things. Yeah. Whether it's if your need is more along the lines of IT and you mm. need and you yes. need th- those types of uh, that type of expertise, does the company is the company able to provide that? Is it more shipping and logistics or paper or any of the things that some of our corporate partners, what their core competency is? Yeah, yeah. That's excellent. I definitely like agree that I think it's becoming less transactional and just more of a true partnership on how like you guys can collaborate and build. What I love about having both of you here is you're both Memphians in your own right. But like Susan, you're a lifelong Memphian. Nicole, you're a transplanted Memphian. A non-native Memphian. Yes, a non-native Memphian. <laughs> same girl, same. So, but I'm, like I've grown to love this city so much since I came here. And so you opened up our talk as our moderator, speaking about the resiliency of Memphis mm-hmm. with everything we've gone through in this year, but just the city as a whole has been through. And so I would really like to dive into that a little bit more with both sure. of you. Like, what do you think it is about Memphis that makes our city so, because there is just something about it, like being from small town Mississippi, coming here straight out of college, like there's just something about Memphis. And I would really love to hear y'all's perspective on it. It's the grit and grind. I know we're not supposed to say that. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. It really is. Um, Memphians understand that if they want to get something done, they have to do it themselves. Mm -hmm. And there's this um, internal drive to make things better. And it is that. It's that grit and it's that resilience. But then also not being afraid to do the hard work. It's Mm -hmm. hard to look internally at your organization or your city and say, okay, we need to make a change someplace. And I think the beauty of Memphis is that it's not afraid to take that reflective internal look and say, okay, what can we do better? How can we change and become the city that we want to be? And um, I think that's the beauty in it. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Well, so thinking of um, being able to kind of self-reflect and identify where we have areas to grow, Susan, you had one of my favorite quotes from the panel. Um, You said, in short, that innovation is just taking a problem and looking at it in a different way, and that collaboration creates a base for innovation. Um, So I I think that's so astute and, um, again, obviously goes to the heart of what you guys do. How do you think we as a city work well in collaboration, and where do you think we could improve? Yeah, I mean, I think... It's impossible to do it alone, and it you'd be a fool to try to think that you are the only one that has the right solution. And so anything that we do, it's going to be stronger together. Um, and I think especially in the last year, but really it's been a growing uh, kind of culture shift that collaboration is essential to make change happen. Um, and that you have to work together. And so many problems are that are deep rooted, both in our our city and our society, they're interrelated. You can't fix one part of a problem without looking at the whole picture or the whole system. Um, And so, yeah, I think there's just going to need to be continued collaboration, continued openness to uh, work and address these things and come at it with, you know, a new perspective and to to not shy away from the issues and to really dig in, uh, to really understand the core root of our problems. How can we work together and how can we really start to address them? Um, And that's, where kind of testing like small changes, we our organization helps provide kind of that safe place to fail because innovation does require failure. You're not going to get it uh, 
off the bat to be a success. But you have to try and you can't let failure stop that fear stop you from trying. Um, and so that's kind of where we help provide that sheltered space and say this is a safe place to test and fail um, because from that failure, you're going to learn something and then we'll figure out next time we take the next step. How do we do it better? Um, so, yeah, that's that's really that's that's my take on it. <laughs> No, I really love that. I love how you just kind of focused on having the bravery to fail. That's kind of, it's a hard thing for me personally. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to do it because I'm not going to be good at it. But I think just realizing you have to, you have to take that chance because no matter if you fail, like you said, what you learned from it is so big. So Nicole, that brings me to you because I know you launched your own creative group, the yeah. Nicholas Creative Group. Yes. I want to know like kind of how, what made you decide to do that? here and what advice do you have for other people who are thinking about about taking the leap and going out on their own uh i'm a third generation entrepreneur i have to preface it with uh, that there you go um, <laughs> you get it honestly <laughs> I, get it honest. yeah. I get it very honest my grandfather owned his own company my dad owns a construction company so honestly when i came to memphis to work for FedEx, my dad said are you, because I said, I'm, I'm moving to Memphis and I'm getting this job. And he said, do you need a loan? <laughs> Are you okay? I was like, I'm fine. But there was a next level to business and I wasn't quite, I told him, I said, I don't know what that looks like mm -hmm. and I don't quite know how to get there, but I know that it exists. And I know that by taking on this opportunity that I will learn what it is I need to learn. Um, launching the Nicholas Creative Group it was a... Um, a love and a passion deep within. I knew that I wanted to work on various types of projects, whether it was food and beverage or if it was parks or something else. I just wanted to verify, um, add some variety to the types of projects that I was working on, whether it was financial services or whatever the case may be. So now I have a variety of clients. We launched last year. Um, that wasn't necessarily the intention. So <laughs> there's a backstory. To launch the global pandemic? <laughs> yeah. Was it in the cards? Well, actually, the company, I started it in 2016 as a side hustle. Yeah. And the side hustle grew. And I actually was planning to take 2020 off as an adult gap year. I had planned a trip to Bali. I had planned a trip to Africa. We had a family vacation planned for Hawaii. Like 20 wow. of us were all <laughs> going to Hawaii. And 2020 was like, nope. Yeah, I thought the world just the said, world just no, stopped, thank you. <laughs> and you all have to stay home. I was like, oh, if I'm going to stay home, I don't want to be bored. Let me pour more of my energy into this business. Mm -hmm. And within the first two weeks, I had two clients. And then it became five. And then it became 12. And so it has grown exponentially. Wow. Um, and we're working on a variety of different things from diversity and inclusion consulting to food and beverage, a little bit of everything. Yeah, so tell us like, what kinds of services. Oh, so um, I provide marketing, communications, and business strategy. Oftentimes, entrepreneurs have an idea, but they're not quite sure how to execute that idea, mm. how to, to make sure um, that idea is successful with uh, not necessarily encountering as many mistakes, being able to learn from others. What my company does, we're able to provide that perspective mm -hmm. um, that allows them to succeed early on without necessarily having to make the same mistakes that others may have made. So we're here to help them develop their business strategy. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Well, we had Susan uh, Shemichael Hallman on the show, I guess a couple, it's probably yeah, a couple months now. Yeah, it's been about a month, yeah. Um, but he gave a TED Talk recently. Um, oh. So we had him on to to expound upon his TED Talk a little bit. And then, of course, we shared that <laughs> TED Talk uh, on the show. Um, so, you know, we talked with him about the Civic Commons Project. 
that Memphis was one of the original five cities selected for the project, uh, which has since moved into phase two, including five more cities. So, you know, for those... For those who were not participating in the luncheon and, or just have no idea what the Civic Commons mm-hmm. project is, give us just kind of a foundational understanding of what this project is and what it, how it's manifested here in Memphis. Sure. Well, first, I would encourage you to go listen to Shermichael's yes. talk because yeah. <laughs> he's such a better speaker. He's such an amazing speaker. Um, but yeah, so the Civic Commons, reimagining the Civic Commons is a national initiative. Um, we were Memphis was one of the first five cities. So we have. Detroit, Chicago, Akron, and Philadelphia, and Memphis were in the first five. And it was an investment by uh, a group of funders that said, we want to figure out how can we make public space better? We know that there's a a growing divide uh, in in social isolation and that years of decades of disinvestment in our public space is causing detrimental effects to our society. And we want to figure out how can we um, reinvest in in our civic commons to create spaces that build empathy, that uh, address uh, civic engagement, to activate public life, and to really help activate the place that makes makes cities so great. Um, so over the past, the first three years of the initiative, we uh, focused in a very small demonstration area in downtown Memphis. It was called the Fourth Bluff. So from there, we did a lot of, kind of pop-ups and uh, kind of sh- short-term uh, programming and activation that then uh, turned into long-term investments. So in the first three years, we reimagined two parks, the Riverline Trail, and then the Cossett Library. So that is, um, you know, we re- we took down Confederate statues, we re- and redesigned what that park could be, and we completely transformed uh, this kind of acre of uh, parkland on the river and turned it into this magical place called River Garden, whereas now you go into that space and you feel uh, a variety of different things. There's butterfly gardens and natural plantings and a playground. Um, So there's a lot of different principles that have come in, but the way that what we did there was how do we change how we design, program, and manage public space so that we are encouraging uh, these outcomes of civic engagement, of public life, and uh, value creation for our city. Yeah, luckily our, our office like looks over mm-hmm. this park so every day I can look out my window and sort of watch this transformation happen and watch people gather there, which is always so affirming. Um, I haven't been to the office in a minute, but I, I look forward to going back and looking looking at <laughs> Back over in the, park. the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm curious, I mean, obviously you guys are an organization that is really focused on data, right? Like how do so how do you know in a project like this where you describe, you know, what in many ways are good feelings, right? Like mm-hmm. a place where people come together, a place where people um, feel inspired, a place where they're developing empathy. How do you create measurements that help you know that you're <laughs> successful? Yeah. Um, luckily, we've had some guidance. So there is a, a set of measures that we are basically were vetted by the national initiative so that all of the cities are measuring in mm. the same way. Um, but it is a tricky question, and we're actually expanding that locally to figure out how does this work on a, a more recurring basis. But what we look at is things like, for civic engagement, we'll look at things like um, how has people's perception changed of the neighborhood over time, uh, and how active are they? Are they do any volunteer uh, volunteering or cleaning up litter? Um, things like that uh, are some measures that we do with the direct engagement and surveying of people that visit the sites. But then we also do things like uh, collect census data, uh, neighborhood scan surveys, and just kind of see and collect information over time 
uh, what if there are any changes. Um, in the first three years, we saw a, a really remarkable change in the activity. So how many people are in this space? Mm. And in just a few short years from kind of a sleepy, underinvested park to now this really lively, active place. And you can see on the count, like how many more people are using the space than there were before. Um, and then we also saw perception of the neighborhood had changed. Um, positive perception and positive press mm -hmm. had changed. The way that we talk about the spaces mm -hmm. is then felt uh, and reported back um, by, the, by people that are visiting the space. So there's a kind of a whole uh, network of measures. If you want to <laughs> dig in, I, we could talk about it all day. But um, there's kind of a national measure uh, measurement system that we're using um, and then also kind of expanding on that locally. Very cool. I think that's such a cool thing about the revitalization projects because it's not just these singular things, right? It's truly like these civic assets that we have that you guys are working to revitalize and get. And Shamichael shared a really cool story about the library. Like after he described everything, it was like the books were like the last piece of that puzzle. <laughs> He's like, by the way, we have books. <laughs> and I just think it's such a needed thing because even in the Memphis the Movement, chat that we had i know it's a panel but i just called it a chat it's okay guys <laughs> go with it um but like in that um milton made a cool point about how the perception that memphians have of their city is shifting and i think that goes into kind of what you were just saying is like this data is like there's more positive things happening and we're seeing ourselves in a better light how do you guys think that is really that per changed perception is moving us forward and how we impact things. I think it is um, definitely moving the city forward. The work of the Memphis Brand Initiative, the whole We Are Memphis, Bring Your Soul. We now have this language, this, co this consistent language that talks about all of the great things that are taking place in Memphis, from Memphis tourism to, I mean, just everything. We have tons of festivals, not now during COVID, but they're 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 morphing too. They're yeah. all going mm -hmm. virtual. Mm -hmm. So there, there are just so many things that are taking place that allow Memphians to be more engaged and it helps to foster that sense of pride. So I think that that sense of pride has shifted, particularly since I've been here, what I've observed, that sense of pride has shifted. Yeah, definitely. I can kind of see, I've been here almost a decade, I think. Which, oh, 10 years. Yeah, 10 year I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> and so I, I agree with you there. It's when I first got here, it was kind of a, you hear a lot of the negative, not only from the outside perception, but also from internal. And I feel like it's shifting. I feel like Milton said it best, you know, the outside world has seen us as this cool, innovative, cultural, vibrant place. Yes. And we were so much harder on ourselves, but now we're still, you're always going to be your own worst critic, right? So the citizens of a city are always going to be its worst critic and its biggest cheerleader. It's okay. I can talk about it. You can't. <laughs> I live here. It's that whole thing. But I just think to see the shift and feel that shift is such a powerful thing. It definitely um, is. And y'all's work touches such different areas of our city. So I would be very interested here kind of from both of you. What is one of the most memorable moments of your work that springs to mind when like you just think of like success and love and city positivity? Oh, wow. I know I put you on the spot. It's okay. <laughs> you can go first. Well, Susan, I'll like hone that down a little bit for you because I mean, aside, we've talked a lot about the Civic Commons Project because yeah. um, we're so proud of it. And mm -hmm. because Memphis was, was distinguished in this way. So I think it's not just, as you said, Christy, it's yeah. not just us 
sort of saying like, oh, this is kind of cool. But somebody saying like, hey, here's a real opportunity. Memphis is ripe for it. Yes. Um, but you guys do, I mean, you guys have had your hand in so many interesting projects. So like what are one or two other projects that you are just super proud of that you think have, you know, whether they just are really distinctive for our community mm -hmm. or something that we, that we just did better than anybody else? Yeah. Well, I think there's two that come to mind. I think one, it hits on both questions. And to me, what I love about working within parks and public space so much is that it's tangible. I can go out mm -hmm. and see it. So if we have one of our partners is putting on a program, I can go and see the joy on a child's face and a family when they can have a skate night or a concert and there's this free programming and you can see people, did, different people interact and just like beaming with joy. And I, that is something that... Um, it's not necessarily innovative, but it is really critical. Um, and having those moments of joy in, in people's lives and, and making an impact and that creation of place and memory helps create that connection. Like what we say is so special. Um, it's those moments like that, that, that you, that resonate with you. Um, and so I think that is something I take pride in. Every time we have an event, I love to go check it out and, and see what, uh, what's going on because it really affects people's lives. Mm. There was one moment I had a few years ago, there was like a mural painting uh, of the downtown block party around the 100 North Main. And I think it was uh, Sifni I, I think was the muralist. And so we had like a, we're painting on the, on the mural and this child came up with her mom and they were coming from some other event, but they were really curious, like what's going on? And they were immediately greeted with like, come on, be a part of it. Grab a paintbrush, be, you know, come back and do this. And the kid's face just lit up. They were so excited that they could go and <laughs> paint something and be a part of something. And then I heard them say on, you know, that they wanted to come back. They wanted to see this when it was all done. And so they could take pride in it when they came back. Mm. Um, and so those are just like little moments that make you think about like the power that you have to, to impact people's lives. Um, and then on another note, I think one of the, one of the things that <clears throat> Memphis is doing that's really interesting. One of our works is completely different from no, public that's, space. That's why I love it. Yeah. Uh, but our work with the emergency medical services, uh, we work mm -hmm. with the fire department and emergency medical services, and what they have done in the last few years has been completely transformative. I think under the leadership of uh, Director Sweat, and you know, knowing that there needs to be innovation in emergency medical services. What they have done to develop a fire analytics team and emergency medical services programs, it's really innovative. It's on the cutting edge um, of what's possible. They've developed this healthcare navigators program, which is really a suite of programs, which is how do we tailor the right response so that people get appropriate medical care? Um, and then how does that also help minimize the impact on uh, emergency medical services so that they're not spread too thin and they can adjust their resources in the right way. Um, and I think there's been a lot of really interesting developments that they've done that is impacting when people call 911, they need emergency help, they can get the help that they need. Um, and they're even doing now some vaccinations for homebound patients mm -hmm. because they have the supplies with SUVs rather than an ambulance and a nurse uh, practitioner on board that they can go and, and administer uh, vaccinations for people that need it. So um, there's kind of just a whole suite of them. And um, I don't, I can't really speak to it enough uh, eloquently about it, but I would say that our, yeah, our fire department really deserves a lot of kudos and they're doing a lot of innovative work over there. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think is so interesting about the work that you guys do is it, it can be both like very big in scale but then there's also so much of it that really is like down to the minutia of 
Wait, again, when we talk about like city problems, like we talk about poverty, we talk about like better education outcomes, we talk about housing, but at, but beneath all of that are these much smaller issues of like, um, you know, as to this, to, I remember Dustin telling me about this project when you guys first started it and it was very like, oh, okay, I didn't realize that response times were too long. Like, I didn't know that. <laughs> like, it's not something that's impacted my life. But then when you see the sort of cascading effect of that, both in terms of cost and resources where the city could be putting those places elsewhere, the, the impact on an individual if their response time is much slower than it could be. Um, so, I, you know, I, what I love about that work is that it's not just just it's not just looking at the sort of like marquee issues and saying, mm -hmm. like, all right, we're going to slog away at this. But saying there are all of these things from a systemic level that a city just has to, you know, from a process and logistics mm -hmm. perspective has to accomplish and to, to know that there are ways to make it more efficient and better, I think, um, doesn't feel as sexy, you know, as like some <laughs> of the other, but I think it's still so interesting. You know, I, I remember him telling me for 30 minutes about um, the, the solid waste pickup project. Yeah. And I'm just like, wow, I never thought I would be interested for someone to tell me about yeah. this project, but here I am enthralled. So, I know. But the spirit of something underneath all of that is that spirit of, commu of collaboration mm -hmm. that is just so it's just so prevalent in the Memphis community. I think about the projects working with non uh, Momentum nonprofit partners and how during so many times of um, disaster or crisis, they're able to galvanize the nonprofit community where they can leverage their resources together, whether it's distribute PPE equipment, masks, sanity, um, hand sanitizer, food, or those things to nonprofit organizations that can actually get them in the hands of the people who need it the most. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think that is that's one of the projects that I'm most proud of being a part of Momentum and seeing how our nonprofit community has come together to advocate for itself, mm. also to advocate for the community that they serve. Because oftentimes nonprofit is not brought to the table immediately. It's mm -hmm. typically government or it's typically corporate and then nonprofit our nonprofit ends up being the catch-all for the gaps mm. um but what I think is very unique to Memphis is that nonprofit also has a voice at that same table and they're able to be they're able to offer a different perspective so that there aren't as many gaps to capture at, at the bottom if that makes sense mm -hmm. and um that that's one of the things I love about Memphis just this spirit of collaboration. Yes. Organizations recognize that they cannot get it all done by themselves and they actually actively seek partners and they actively seek help and they actively come together to create, okay, there are so many problems, but what are we going to focus yeah. on first where we can move the needle and have the most impact and prioritize those things? So love Memphis about for the spirit of collaboration that it has. Same. I think someone said it once, and I'm sorry, I cannot remember who I heard say this. It was on some panel of amazing people <laughs> I attended. But they said, for every problem Memphis has, there is an individual organization working to solve that problem. And yes. I think that touches very much on what you just said. And so I kind of want to know, like, what are yours or Susan, also you can please answer as well. Like, what are some of your favorite organizations that you support that are working to strive to solve the problems of Memphis? Oh, my God. I love them all. Exactly. <laughs> there are so many that are doing yes. great work. Um, oh, United Way, Girls, Inc., 
Girl Scouts, Heart of the South. Um, there's seeding success in education space. There's the collective. Yes. There, there's there are too many. <laughs> too many I feel like they're gonna, <laughs> folks are going to call me if I don't like mention <laughs> their That's organization. True. I did connect us via email. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have all of them on as guests over the yeah. next year. We I was about there, to but say, there are I put you so on the spot many. in your business. Juice, like... Juice Orange Mound. Mm-hmm. Like yes, that was that was so touching to me here our city is going through a freeze we're going through um you know the water issues that were taking mm-hmm. place and we have a community member in Brittany thornton who stepped yeah. she saw a need and she stepped up and the community rose to the occasion to assist her with mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. and i thought that that was one of the most beautiful things i had seen in the city of memphis yeah coastline we should we haven't had Brittany on we yet. We haven't um, yet, but we, we had her. She, she, she participated in a celebrate right luncheon. Um, mm. I guess in 2019. Yeah, um, which and she is like. Forever, I, guess. I feel like every every podcast we do, somebody brings up Brittany's name. <laughs> yeah, because she is just. I mean, she gets you. Her you can't call her an unsung hero anymore. Mm-hmm. But she is like she's just such a unique leader in the way that she takes personal ownership of something yes. and really. I mean. This is such a cliche. Like, she really does inspire people. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a really special quality, especially in someone so young and who she, you know, she just, she sees what needs to be done. She like feels the inequity deeply and just like does, takes action in a way mm-hmm. that, you know, it would take the rest of us like a few weeks <laughs> She's to not scared put together to put a plan and, you know, mobilize. Like, she just goes and She's does. She's like, no, we have a need. Yeah. And I need this. And then every day on uh, Instagram, she was <laughs> posting, I need yes. this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm running through my house looking for coloring books. Yes. I'm like, okay, yeah. how can I contribute to this? Um, it's that type of leadership. And we, we have many more Britneys mm-hmm. um, who are also stepping up to the plate. And I think it's our responsibility to support them, to step up and support them. How about you, Susan? Other than obviously Innovate Memphis, what are a couple of organizations <laughs> outside of that... your own organization? <laughs> I don't know. I might, I might take a pass on this one because I don't want to uh, give anybody uh, yes. preference. But I would say, yeah, there's no shortage of amazing organizations in Memphis, and, and I would encourage you, depending on what you want to support. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there's so many that are working in different areas. So kind of check it out. And if you don't know where to go, the Community Foundation has a really good resource bank that yeah. gives you really in-depth kind of background on both from a you know location or a subject area i want to learn about something in the environment or education or um uh yeah parks the civic engagement then you can search and filter by those things so check it out and see what you want to support for yourself um yeah Yeah. no that's a great milton mentioned that on the panel he said you know search what your passion is Find that, and then there's an organization, an organization that is doing that work, and yes. then step up to help that organization. That's the best way to get involved, whether it's volunteering your time or contributing uh, financially. Yes, mm-hmm. I think so often people think they have to start from scratch, right? They think of this issue or they see this pressing need, and they're like, "Okay, I need to start something." But I think researching first and be like, "Is there an organization that's already rising to meet this need? Mm-hmm. Is my time better served?" volunteering for them helping them funding them then trying to lift this other thing it goes back to that collaboration point right like we are so much stronger and better together and we're all willing to work together to solve these problems so i think that is just a great trajectory that's why i love memphis guys (laughs) i feel like such a like cheesy cheerleader because i work for new memphis so when i'm always like super city positive or i'm super into the city i will i'm willing to recognize where we fail but i just really think it's so great here And it's just something you don't get everywhere. And so, like, you know, it's just 
very great to have people like you guys here in panels like we were able to convene with so many rock stars of our other friends that are not here with us today to just keep moving us forward. Um, so I just want to acknowledge that and give a slow clap <laughs> no, to you guys I, I since I'm the only one here. <laughs> I think that um, we are lucky because we, the collective we of people in this, in this <laughs> podcast studio, I think we all have access to mm-hmm. this knowledge. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, one of the most... One of the reasons I love working for New Memphis is it does put you at the center of getting to talk to people like you guys, to everybody who comes through as guests, to all of our Celebrate What's Right panelists. And so I think it's easier to be inspired by what is happening in Memphis. Um, And I think, you know, part of our work and why we're glad you guys are here is we want to make sure that we are creating greater awareness of those Mm -hmm. organizations, those individual leaders who are slogging away and they're respective communities on their respective issues and making sure that we are creating connection, that we are hopefully creating, again, greater awareness that leads to advocacy. So as you said, Nicole, that it, uh, and you, Susan, that it is not just about knowing an organization exists. It's sort of saying, what can I do? And whether that's donating financially, volunteering, serving on their board, um, you know, just offering them your support Mm -hmm. and and your platform, which you guys have been so generous to do. So, before we close, um, I want to let everyone listening know where they can follow you guys, learn more. Um, again, I know you guys are all um, both advocates in your own different ways. So where can people find you? How can they connect with both you and your work? Oh, sure. They can visit my website. It's Nicholas.com. N-I-C-A-L-L-Y-S-S. It's like, it's. I'll tell you the story about my name. <laughs> but that's a whole different thing. They can also follow me on Instagram at Nicholas spelled the same way or Nicholas underscore creative. Fabulous. How about you, Susan? Yeah, you can uh, follow what Innovate Memphis is up to. All of our <clears throat> handles are at Innovate Memphis and InnovateMemphis.com. And if you're interested more about the Civic Commons, uh, the social media is the best way to connect. So we're always looking for volunteers um, and people to come out to our programs. Right now it's at Fourth Bluff uh, on social. Uh, you can check us out there. And you can learn more about the Civic Commons more broadly at civiccommons.us. Perfect. And we will share both of those on our social pages as well. So give them a like, give them a follow. We appreciate you guys. Thank you for joining (laughs) us again. We're so grateful for your time. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Level up with New Memphis Fellows. Established in your career, but feel something's missing? Let New Memphis complete the puzzle. The New Memphis Fellows program is a leadership development experience for mid-career leaders. Designed for high-performing professionals already excelling in their careers and impacting our community. New Memphis Fellows will amplify your power with connections, skills, and experiences. Level up on your career and apply for Fellows today. Visit newmemphis.org for more information. All right. Well, that is a wrap on this week's episode of Meanwhile in Memphis. A couple of quick uh, housekeeping notes. If you liked what you heard today, you like New Memphis, you want to learn more, please go to our website, newmemphis.org. I would encourage you as you are uh, perusing our website and thinking about how you want to connect a couple of opportunities coming up. First and foremost, uh, we will be beginning a new fellows class. So if you're at the website, go check on that fellows tab. The Fellows Program is truly, I I think, the most um, significant program that we run at New Memphis. It is our flagship. It is um, 
really the epitome of everything that we're trying to do. Um, so if you are a local leader who is thinking about how to continue to develop your strengths, if you are looking for a way to connect with community, connect with other peer leaders, if you're looking for a way to um, you know, find your path to, to, to make change in Memphis, the Fellows Program is for you. It was designed for what we call mid-career leaders. So maybe you're 35, maybe you're 40, but you're kind of, you know, you're not uh, heading into retirement soon. You didn't just start out, but you, again, are somebody who's working at the top of your game, but you're interested in um, just continuing to to perfect your your leadership skills, continuing to move along on that leadership journey. I think we all know that you know developing yourself is never done. It is a constant yes. project. Um, so the Fellows Program again is a year long. So over the course of twelve months, you will go through this experience with about thirty other professionals. So people from all different walks of life, all different sectors and corners of the community. And you will go through this ex experience with them. It is frequently described as life-changing, as eye-opening. Um, people walk away from this class with um, lifelong friends and connections. They walk away feeling more empowered, um, feeling a, a real sense of responsibility uh, to, to take action and be a leader in Memphis, um, but also feeling equipped with the tools, skills, and connections to do it. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, I encourage you to go to the website, learn more. Uh, we would love to chat with you one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. um, we populate these classes with uh, a lot of care. So we want to make sure that we're putting, you know, we're really plucking uh, leaders uh, who I think can complement one another really well, who are going to learn and challenge one another um, in this one class. So um, we are, again, looking for applicants now. If you want to throw your hat in the ring, you can fill out an application on the website. Um, again, our, our team would love to talk with you more about the program and give you all of the answers yes. to all of the questions. Um <laughs> So there's that. Again, I would encourage you to think about that. Or if you are a college student or perhaps you know a college student or perhaps you are employing a college <laughs> student as an intern, um, I would encourage you to check out our Launch Campus to Career program. We uh, offer free events for college students year-round, and those events are intended to both uh, engage those students and communities. So how do we make them not just um, engaged in their classroom or engaged in your company as an intern, but really get them embedded into the Memphis community, help them understand what Memphis has to offer them as they're thinking about where they want to launch their careers. Um, it also offers, I think, really essential professional development and professional networking. It is tough to be a young person and try to think about putting that first foot into your career and figuring out how do you do it? How do you find a job? Yes. How do you find an internship? What do I want to do? Where do I want to work? <laughs> Again, a multitude of questions. And I think this program is um, tailored to, to help answer some of those questions, to introduce students to our local companies and other professionals, to offer them mentorship and coaching from more seasoned uh, professionals who might be able to give them some insights as they're trying to plot a path for their career. Um, so we have an event coming up on the 23rd of this month, on March 23rd. Super fun. It's a college trivia night. Great for college students, sponsored by our wonderful friends over at Deloitte. Um, but I would also, again, if you are an employer, big business, small business, we're getting into what we mm -hmm. call internship season. <laughs> um, now is the time. If you have not hired an intern yet, if you have not thought about having an intern for this summer, reach out to us. We would love to help you connect with some college talent. Um, and we would love to connect with your interns once they start the summer to, to get them involved in all of this free and fun work.
So that's your homework for the week. <laughs> uh, again, whether you want to join us in our fellows program or you want to connect us to college students, that is my plea to you for now. <laughs> Christy, what else do they need to know before we call it call it quits today? Well, what you always most definitely need to know is New Memphis is a nonprofit, guys. We are a 501c3 organization, which means we rely on the dollars from our community to do the work that we do. You've heard Anna shout out some of our amazing sponsors like First Horizon, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee, to Deloitte, who's helping us do our launch work. But we also rely on the donations from individuals like you guys listening as well. So... That is just, I'm not going to go into it too hard because I know I do it every week, but I'm just going to ask if you would like to donate to our work so we can keep doing the good in Memphis and transforming through the power of connection. Visit newmemphis.org slash donate. Super easy, I promise. We made it as easy as possible and no amount is too small. And as Anna likes to say, no amount is too big either. <laughs> so, And on that note, also, if you are not following along with us on social media, please give us a follow at the New Memphis. That is the best place that you can go to find out everything we're up to from the work we're doing. You heard on this episode, like this cool panel that we had. And if you didn't know that that was a thing, if you didn't know it was happening, guess what? If you followed us on social, you would have. So just please give us a follow, keep in the know, and we would love to hear from you. Also, Anna touched on so eloquently about our programs that we have coming up. If you are like visiting the website and you're just, you don't know. You're like, I don't know which one of these I would fit for. I'm in a weird age. I could be embarked. Maybe I could be a fellow. Email us. You can email me, christy at newmemphis.org, and I will get you where you need to go. DM us on our social media channels. We will get you in touch with the person you need to get in touch with because we want to make sure all leaders have access to this wonderful programming. So that is all I've got for today. All right. Well, I think we did it. Yeah. (laughs) Another episode done. (laughs) We will see you next week, Memphis. Bye, guys. Expand your circle with New Memphis Embark. Let's face it, making new friends in your 20s is way harder than it should be. There's no guidebook, so let New Memphis help. Making connections is kind of our jam. And through New Memphis Embark, you'll be introduced to a cohort of more than 25 individuals that, while all very different from you, share a common goal. You're all young professionals striving to be the best you can and serve your community while also having a little bit of fun in the process. Expand your circle and apply for Embark today. Visit newmemphis.org for more information. Meanwhile in Memphis is brought to you in partnership with WYXR, produced by New Memphis and hosted by Anna Mullins Ellis and Christy Mullen. For more information, please visit newmemphis.org. Audio for this show is recorded and produced by the OAM Network. For more information, please visit pod901.com.